Hello there and welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host Rob Warner, joined by a lot of Sun Devil Source reporters today. We have site publisher Chris Cartman. Chris, how are you this afternoon? I'm wonderful. How are you, Rob? I'm doing great. We've got our very own Max Madden, staff writer. I'm doing terrific, Rob. Thanks for asking. Yep, there you go. And uh, Fabian, how are you doing? Fabian Ardaya. Uh, weather's great, so I'm great. There you go. Kalen Jones, our very own. How's it going, Kalen? Yeah, I'm doing good. How you been? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, and then our very own Kevin Stewart, our football uh, recruiting expert and just guru on everything. Kevin Stewart. Kevin, how's everything today? Everything's going well, Rob. Good to be here. Good to have you. Um, so this is going to be a men's basketball podcast entirely, but there is going to be a premium podcast that will air this week with Chris and our recruiting expert, Kevin Stewart, that has an in-depth look into the 2018 recruiting class. So be on the lookout for that. Guys, let's jump right into it, though, with ASU basketball. They, they came off a sweep of of the L.A. schools, first beating USC 80-78, Trey Holder's first game winner in college. USC led by as many as nine in the second half. They were up seven with just two minutes and 28 seconds to go. Uh, and then really ASU won the final little stretch of the game, obviously going on a, uh, a 9-0 run to win the game. How, how amazing and impressive was that, was that kind of ending to the game? I mean, it's Trey's first made field goal the game winning buzzer, but he's you've seen some of those clutch moments from Trey before. I think Colorado last year hit the two field goal, two free throws. I think USC last year also hit two free throws. Something about ASU against these USC teams lead to late comebacks, whether they fall just short or end in a win. But these two teams, Arizona State and USC, are a really good matchup together. I think play styles are very similar, but Arizona State, I think you sort of saw. A little bit of what was to come against UCLA coming apart and coming together into this game, and I think you sort of saw a little bit of some of what ASU used to be successful in December thrive in these last two games. And we've seen ASU kind of struggle to close out games on that final possession. Well, now Hurley just sort of didn't take a timeout and let Holder do it himself. And that last run that Rob mentioned, you know, nine and over the last two minutes and eleven seconds, twelve and two over the last roughly three and a half. We haven't seen ASU be able to close out. And obviously, with how important this series is, it was it was good that they were able to do that. And then again against UCLA, I thought they recaptured a little of that momentum they had in December. But you know, it's one game in five minutes where they looked that way again, and they're heading back to play Arizona, where it ended. The momentum ended a couple of weeks back. My vibe from that game was how similar that it was to the previous year. Uh, against USC. I think it was 14-3 run both games. Um, I, I was very surprised that the USC came out and played man-to-man on that last possession. Um, and maybe that's where Hurley not taking a timeout was a benefit. Even had Trey Holder missed that shot, uh, what you see from the replays is that uh, it, um, it was Daquan Lake, not Daquan Lake, um, um, Romello Romello. was right there. He was right there to, to clean it up, uh, and I think probably would have had a dunk because there was a minute, a second and a half or so left uh, after that after that ball through the basket. So um, I think coaching from USC still leaves something to be desired there. Their talent is really good. Uh, if you look at the, the who the most talented teams are in the league, it's probably USC and Arizona, and and yet. USC is is still perceived to be like a bubble team uh, in the tournament, and and um, that that win obviously was was huge for ASU. It, it boosted uh, its RPI quite a bit, and then the UCLA game followed that up. And yeah, you mentioned the UCLA game. ASU won eighty eight to seventy nine. 
Sun Devils led by as many as eight before the half and then led the entire second half. Really a game we haven't really seen from the Sun Devils as of late, uh, of just being in control the entire game. Also, a quick note, the three guards all had it going on, three senior guards for ASU. Trey Holder with 22, Shannon Evans with 23, Cody Justice with 17. The three guards have only... the three guards together have only had two games where they've each scored over 15 points, with their last coming on Thanksgiving against Xavier. So it's been a long time coming for the three guys to play good basketball all at the same time. Kalen, I know you've talked to me about it a little bit, about when you see them all playing well, it's tough to beat them. Yeah, no, and, and really that's been the key. And I think we've said this at na- ad nauseum on this show, actually, that when they play well, they are at the capability, at least their peak capability, when their guards are playing at their height. Um, regardless of whether or not Romello White's playing well um, or their other post players are contributing at a high rate or even Kamani Lawrence and Mickey Mitchell, while they've been figuring things out, it's really been – I think the slump that you saw ASU go through was really – put on, in my opinion, on the lack or at least the poor play and consistency of the senior trio. And we saw that against UCLA, especially with Cody Justice being that high post zone buster, uh, his ability to, to distribute the ball and then not only you know distribute the ball, but get in the lane and create points for himself when he started off, I think four or four from the field. So when he has a good game, you're seeing Shannon Evans play well consistently, Trey Holder getting to the lane and getting back to the free throw line. I think the two of them combined for like 16 of 18 under free throws. So ASU is getting back to what it was doing during the non-conference slate, and that's really encouraging sign moving forward. And the thing is, like, Shannon and Trey didn't necessarily have highly efficient nights. They had high-volume nights, but they weren't high-efficiency nights. Uh, Cody Justice had a high-efficiency night and got his shooting back underway, but they didn't turn the ball over. I think only seven turnovers the entire game. They managed to beat a, a pretty lackluster zone at times for UCLA, but they were able to take advantage of the of the zone and make them switch back to man, which is really when Shannon Evans and Trey Holder at their best. They were just able to control the pace and flow of the game, and the game was high pace, and that absolutely favors Arizona State. This is one of the few times during Pac-12 play where Arizona State has been in control of what the tempo and what the pace and style of play for the game is, and I think it showed. Yeah, going back to what you mentioned before, Fabiano obviously was not a high-efficiency night. They were shooting roughly combined 30% from the field, they were kind of bailed out by, I mean, neither USC or UCLA's guards played very well. Of course, Aaron Holiday ends up with 20 points, but the majority of those came in the last few minutes off of free throws and then fouls out eventually trying to get his team back into it. Uh, but, uh, you know, 20, the combined 45 points kind of comes with an asterisk uh, for me. And then, of course, Remy Martin just one of seven from the field. But back to back to Kalen's point, Cody Justice really breaking that in the middle zone allowed them to take that many shots. The one thing I would say on this, too, is uh, UCLA beat Arizona Thursday. And they came in, fell behind. I don't know. They just really had much fight in them in that game. I don't want to d- be too down on what ASU playing well and getting a win. But what ASU did well is they came in, they got the lead early. Most of these conference games, when you're watching it, they're either behind early, maybe get a little early lead, and then fall right be- back behind. So this game, they came in, they played played fast, they played well to start, they got the lead, and I kind of think UCLA packed that in early. Uh, Bobby Hurley said something that was very telling after the game, which was the game flowed better. Well, it, fl- it flowed better because of what Fabian said, which is ASU beat the zone that UCLA had early on in the game and, and took them out of it. We know at this point, uh, very established, that ASU plays a lot better against man Defenses. It just, it just. Even though it didn't shoot at a at a particularly impressive clip between Evans and Holder, uh, Justice had a good game. But really, it was just the the overall feel and the flow of the game 
that uh, that played into ASU's hands. And um, that three-two zone that UCLA has is probably one of the worst zones actually in the Pac-12. We've seen some really good ones to this point from some of these other opponents. Justice took it apart pretty early. Uh, ASU, the way I've felt anyway, seemed to have control of the rest of the game. And I think one thing that hasn't been mentioned that's really important, ASU only had two turnovers for the first 20-some-odd minutes of that game. Uh, when you're not shooting the ball particularly well, but you have more possessions than your opponent, echoing something that we've said in previous podcasts, uh, you're going to be still be able to be fine in, in that regard. And ASU also made 22 of its first 22 free throws. They made all tw- first 22 free throws. They missed a few down the stretch, but by that point, it was almost too late. If either one or the other... Uh, doesn't go ASU's way. Either they turn the ball over a handful more times or let's say that they miss five, six more free throws. We're in a totally different game than what it was uh, down the stretch where ASU trailed by, I mean, led by no more, no less than uh, eight points from basically 12, 13 minutes out. And Chris, you mentioned how how ASU controlled the ball and, and wasn't turning the ball over very much. They also stole the ball nine times, three by way of Kamani Lawrence, who had his best game to date with eight points and seven rebounds and just over about 10 minutes of action. So, so definitely a good win for uh, ASU to, to show the defense and offense kind of in the same game, almost getting to the 90-point clip they did so often in the non-conference slate. So, guys, this is the first sweep of the Pac-12 schools, not only of the season, but in Bobby Hurley's tenure with the program. And his, this is his third year, obviously, with the team. How significant was the sweep of the L.A. schools? Uh, as far as actual basketball, I'm not really sure. I think Thursday will be a better indicator of that. But... As far as maybe on the mental side of things, maybe it's a mini mental hurdle you can leap. Uh, also, as far as what it means for the Pac-12 overall standings, it helps Arizona State, especially if they want to try to get a bye uh, in the Pac-12 tournament. But as far as actual basketball, what this means, will Arizona State go on a big run after this? I, I'm not really sure. Thursday is a real measuring stick because that's where a lot of the things fell apart for them during the non-conferences. They go down to Tucson, lose a tight one there from there things started to unravel a little bit yeah and you mentioned the Pac-12 standings they now are level with four different teams at seven and six you know after clearing the 500 mark and so now you know with maybe a couple things go ASU's way with a Washington or Oregon loss this weekend and then they can jump all the way up to fourth I really felt like this was enormous for ASU Uh, if they had lost both games they would have been back totally up against the wall as it related to their NCAA tournament chances uh, they would have needed to win four or five, maybe even all five, maybe a couple in the Pac-12 tournament, certainly one, I would say. Uh, their RPI would have been in the mid to high 40s. Uh, by winning two, they went all the way up to the 25th in the RPI right now. That's that's a remarkable thing. And then think about it in terms of their NCAA seeding, because prior to this week, they, that week, they were forecast to be between a six and a nine seed, depending on where you looked. Well, the eight nine game is where you really want to avoid being in. Like that's a that's a that's a danger zone. Uh, now you're with the twenty fifth and the way the ASU is going to be perceived by a committee with its big wins and the non conference and all that. Maybe if it finishes really strong as well, uh, you have a chance to be a four seed, a five seed, a six seed. Uh, that's way way better. Uh, um, sort of a, a glide slope down to the runway that is uh, that, that ends your regular season. So. 
the fact that they that they won these two games came at an absolutely crucial, perfect time. It was the most important games, not just of the season, but also probably of the, of the Bobby Hurley era to this point. Uh, it also uh, demonstrated that maybe they can uh, show some improvement against some zones, which I think is going to matter moving forward. Uh, and it gives them a little much-needed injection of confidence as they go into this uh, final five-game stretch of the regular season. Yeah, not the echo, I mean, Chris, exactly. But, I mean, again, the emotional aspect moving forward. I think Max just mentioned the mental hurdle that, you know, you you bypass by beating both schools. I think you look at the way that they did it. I think the manner that they did it in. I mean, obviously, you, you mentioned it earlier, Chris, UCLA's zone isn't that great compared to other schools. But the way, you know, the, the fact that they have that confidence back in in their head. We, we watch – this is a team that thrives on that underdog mentality that, you know – even if they are going to have to be a high-volume team where they have to take 20 million shots a game. Again, if they get back to playing the type of ball that they play where they're pushing the pace and they feel confident doing it, then they're going to – I mean, we've seen it before. They beat Kansas. They beat Xavier. They're a capable team. Mm-hmm. So I think moving into the, especially this space with five games left, as Chris mentioned, that in and of itself increased the magnitude of what they just accomplished. And, Kalen, I think that's a really good point. They're, for the first time this season, they're over 500 in conference play now with, with seven wins. And as you as you just said, there's five remaining Pac-12 games. You know, we've talked about it on this podcast many times. If you get that nine, Chris said it's almost a guarantee to get into the tournament. So now the question is, how close are the Sun Devils from actually getting that invitation to the tournament? They've only made it three times in the 2000s, 2003, 2009, 2014. And what would it kind of mean for the program to do it? It would take them falling off a cliff to not make it now because they're at seven wins. You have five regular season games left. Their RPI is so high that even if you start losing a bunch of games, you're you're not going to drop out of the 40s. All major conference teams make it if you're in the 40s unless you're really upside down underwater in, in conference play. So um, they, they still get to play Arizona at home, Stanford at home, Cal at home. Cal's almost like a guaranteed win. They, they should be able to win at least one of those games maybe in Oregon. Um, of course, it's possible they could lose both of those, lose to Stanford, lose to Arizona, finish one and four. And in that scenario, maybe they still need to win one more game in the Pac-12 tournament. That's a, that's a not uh, out of the question. But their RPI is so high that they may actually be a candidate to be the first ever eight-win Pac-12 team. Uh, make the tournament at this point, given where their RPI is at. I think they're just a 95% chance to make the tournament right now. It's going to be really hard-pressed for them not to. So we made our predictions on making the tournament from last week. Fabian, Kalen, Chris, and myself said yes. Max said no ahead of the, the, the difficult weekend against the L.A. schools. But looking at that RPI... Wait. No, no, no. This was who predicted they oh, would they, make the tournament. But yeah. Max predicted the sweep, so how did... I, no, I no, 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 no. Fabian projected the sweep. Yeah, Fabian did pretty well Good, on that one. Good to see you, Fabian. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned the RPI a little bit. So they jump up from, from 43 to 26 after this sweep. Uh, another uh, positive note for them is Xavier is now ranked 2, and Kansas is still ranked in the top 10 at number 8. Um, some other Pac-12 schools in their Arizona at 18, no change from a week ago with them losing to UCLA. Washington at 46, USC at 50, UCLA at 53, Utah at 60, and Colorado at 64. It just seems like the RPI really is behind this team, like you said, Chris, to making it almost a surefire thing at this point that if they can not fall off the cliff, that they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. I'm, uh, what year was it, Chris, where ASU lost to USC in the Pac-12 or Pac-10 tournament maybe and didn't make the, didn't make the tournament? That but- was uh, the year after... 
was Harden's? Harden, like when Jeff Pendergraf okay. missed the putback, and they finished 12-6 and six actually in the league, but they had a horrible strength of schedule, and they were like the first ever 12-6 and six Pac-12 team to not make it. This is a totally it, different dynamic from that. Well, it's they have if they f- tank, go 1-4, and four, like you said, it would be the opposite, where their conference record would be bad, but they would have the RPI. I don't know. It just seems like it's not set in stone yet. I still think they probably got to win three out of the next five to get in. No, they don't. Really? <laughs> you're, you're, you've lost your mind, Kevin. Okay. They, they, uh, there's been no team in the Pac-12 that has, or Pac-10, that's won nine games and had an RPI better than 40, better than 50, I think, even, that's that's not made it. So ASU's got seven wins in the Pac-12 already. So you win two more games, you're at nine. So they don't need to win three more. How, well, how much room is there in their RPI? To go up or down, where they're at right now, they're not going to drop more than twenty-five spots in the RPI. That would, that would still put them in the uh, fifty overall, even if they lose four of the next five games. Okay. So they're 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 that's the, winning. They don't need to win three. Maybe possibly they need to win two. Um, you know, one definitely they got to win at least one. And so now they're ranked. ASU's back in the AP poll top twenty-five rankings. They're number twenty-five uh, a week after being unranked, so Arizona comes to Tempe this Thursday in the Territorial Cup. Uh, two teams that have been ranked uh, combined for the whole season, and just it's going to be another very tough game, it looks like, for ASU, but as well for U of A. It was a close game down at the McHale Center on December 30th. The Wildcats won 84-78 to in Tucson, obviously. Trey Holder really was the best Sun Devil in that game, 31 points, and he made 15 of 16 free throws. Remy Martin had 10 points. Shannon had a very tough shooting night, going 3 of 14. Um, DeAndre Ayton had 23 points and 19 rebounds. Lonzo Trier with 23. And then uh, Rustich with 12 points off the bench. So what do you guys think could be different for ASU this time around when, when U of A comes? I mean, it's just a matter of what you, Arizona team is going to come out too because they're a team that has struggled a little bit in the last couple weeks. Lost at Washington, lost at home against UCLA, and they had some issues with effort in that UCLA game. I think that both team, that both players and coaches noted. Um, I think Arizona still obviously has a massive talent advantage over Arizona State, and their, that pack line defense really did cause a lot of problems for Arizona State. Because even though ASU was close in that game, it was a bad shooting night. Uh, a lot of Trey Holder's production came when he was trying to drive inside and maybe draw fouls that way. If, I think if Raleigh Alkins is healthy and he's able to be an extra defensive stopper, an extra athletic wing, that's when their defense really starts to become a good defense, not one that struggled as of late. I think that might be a big difference maker for Arizona in this game. I don't think he's necessarily going to be their leading scorer, but I think Kamani Lawrence could be the big difference for ASU in this game. They don't have a guy, or they do, than Lawrence, but they haven't a guy consistently with that size and that position this year. When they played Arizona the first time, it really looked like they could use a guy. I don't remember how well Alkins' numbers were in that game, but they didn't have a guy to match up with him. Yeah, And that's what Lawrence has the potential to be. Now he's had one good game. So if he can do it again – and then they might have something going moving forward the rest of the year too. But I think he has the potential to make a difference in this game. And Lawrence could also make it a, uh, an impact defensively on, of course, Alonzo Trier because, you know, Alkins is a little bit bigger, more, more of a forward type. But Lawrence did have three steals uh, in, in, his, in his best game against UCLA. And, you know, we talked to Coach Rashawn Burno about that. 
it's often a confidence, you know, coming back from an injury. He's clearly been healthy, but now that he's confident, and to Fabian's point, I don't think that on either side there will be sort of a lack of effort or emotion in this game. Uh, so that could be the difference, definitely, Kamani. Yeah, I think it'll come down to pace. Again, we the two the past two games, ASU, I think offensively their pace has been back. And in, again, if they take care of the basketball, again, not to repeat ourselves on this podcast again, but there, there's very, you know, th- this team has an identity, I think, and it's pretty clear. Um, as long as they can take care of the basketball, as Trey Holder mentioned after the game, um, teams are now starting going back to mentioning how, you know, doggish they are on the defensive end of the side of the ball. So if they can play, you know, frenetically on that end, that will lead to more opportunities offensively. If they can get into a shootout with Arizona, I think they have a very good shot of winning this one, especially, as you guys have mentioned, the addition of Kamani Lawrence and the fact that they've had Mickey Mitchell assimilate into the system better. Daquan Lake is playing much better than when he was at that point, in my opinion. And it'll come down to whether or not they get Ramel White going, obviously, and whether he's playing consistently. But this is a team that can match up, I think, pretty well with this Arizona team. You know, Ken Palm lists uh, Arizona as one of the top five tallest teams in, in the country. ASU really struggled with the athletic length of Arizona in that game. Both closeouts to the perimeter, shots blocked and altered. Uh, ASU's guards getting into the paint and not being able to, to finish around the rim. Uh, and then also, uh, that was really an introduction to the Pac-12 for ASU's bigs, Mellow White and Daquan Lake, Scheibel, and those guys really struggled. They were overwhelmed by playing on the road in that environment against that type of size and athleticism. Uh, this is going to be different because now ASU's gone through a cycle of having played a lot of other teams that are also pretty long and, and tall. Maybe they don't have the athleticism, of course, up front of what Arizona has because Arizona has a number one caliber pick. Uh, and, and Ristich is very skilled and big, and, and Arizona's just uh, got that going for it. But I think having played that game, being able to watch some of that stuff again, uh, and then the experience of those guys being indoctrinated to the Pac-12, plus having Kamani Lawrence, um, puts ASU in a much better position uh, to, to be able to have some success in this game. They're going to have to take care of the basketball at a really high level. Arizona, uh, I guess Arizona, they had 13 turnovers, but Arizona had 18 turnovers, and ASU couldn't overcome that. But that's what kept the game really close and then I would say shot selection becomes a little bit more important in a game like this you can't have these really bad possessions where Shannon Evans is taking a three that gets blocked with nobody else within 30 feet of the basket like you can do that against some other teams not against Arizona so guys just quickly I want to get everybody's predictions on what what the game will actually turn out to be who, who thinks uh, what, what is everybody's prediction for the game uh, I think Arizona State does a better job taking care of the basketball, like Chris just said. I think uh, shot selection might be iffy at times, but and they don't necessarily need to shoot the lights out against Arizona, but they need to have a burst. And I think you saw that UCLA had that burst at the end of the first half of that game last week, and they sort of rode that momentum out. I think Arizona State just is going to benefit from playing at home. Uh, I think that these two teams, while Arizona has a lot more talent than Arizona State does, I think they they can play on a similar level. I think Arizona State can play up to Arizona's level. I think Arizona State pulls out this one at home. Man, um, um, man, um, it's coin flip, man. <laughs> I think Arizona. I think Arizona's going to end up winning, but um, I, I think it'll be two or three points. It'll probably be like eighty four, eighty one, similar to the score last time. 
Uh, one thing, uh, ASU's shot selection has definitely been iffy at times, or maybe all year. So uh, that will continue. That's the way they play. But there's going to be random 30-plus foot shots that I have no idea why they're taking, but sometimes they go in. I think ASU wins close. Um, just looking at the last game, it was the shooting percentages between the two teams. ASU actually out-rebounded Arizona, which, remembering back, I didn't think happened, but it did. So at home, ASU shoots a little better than they did last time. Arizona shoots a little worse. ASU ekes out a win. I know that Fabian's on a roll predicting that sweep against the L.A. schools, but I'm going to side with Kalen on this one. Uh, it's it's tough to bet against DeAndre Aiden, especially when his counterpoint counterparts are at least four inches taller than him, or four inches shorter than him, of course. Uh, so I think Trier's length is going to be, and athleticism is going to be too much for Kamani to handle right away, and uh, I'll take Arizona. I also am going to take Arizona to win in a close game, somewhere in the 70s. I think um, betting against Aiton, his size is just it's just too hard. Uh, ASU is going to have to play probably its best game of the season, even better than USC or UCLA to win this game. I think Arizona is gonna gonna win this game as well. I think that they just have too many uh, good athletic players. I don't, I don't think ASU can really. I, I just I just can't really see ASU producing a good enough forty minute game to to beat them. But you know it's definitely possible. We've seen ASU play great basketball. I just can't see it happening this Thursday. That is all for our premium or for our free podcast on the Sun Devil Source Report. Um, the premium podcast will air this week with Chris and our recruiting expert, as I said, Kevin Stewart. It's going to have an in-depth look into the 2018 recruiting class and and much more about the state of ASU football. Next week, we will have another podcast to to break down ASU basketball, how they do against Arizona, and preview Oregon and Oregon State the following weekend. Thank you very much for tuning into this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. Alongside Kevin Stewart, Kalen Jones, Fabian Ardaya, Max Madden, and site publisher Chris Cartman, I'm your host, Rob Warner, saying so long, and thank you for tuning in. 